Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to episode nine of the X Factor Sports Podcast. I am your host, Jay Mondane. Thank you guys for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to YouTube, TikTok, and Facebook to watch live episodes every Wednesday night. So excited to have you guys in tonight. It is a great episode. We got a great show for you. We're going to get into a lot of different things tonight. I'm going to touch on, but there is some meat and potatoes in between. So stay tuned with me and hang out. Appreciate you guys for tapping in. Let's get into some quick news. Northwestern football, the head coach, Fitzgerald. Pat Fitzgerald was fired this week uh, amid a hazing scandal, hazing allegations. Had some players complaining about being hazed in the locker room with the team. Explains why the team went 1-11 last year, right? (laughs) A lot of low morale. So they finally had enough evidence to fire Pat Fitzgerald. He was actually in his second year of a 10-year deal that he signed last season. And they have to let him go for obvious reasons. Can't do that to the players. And like I said, that's probably why the morale was so low. However, he was one of the longest tenured coaches in the Big Ten. I think he had been there since like 2004. So second year of an extension, had to let him go. I believe that him and his attorney are going to fight it, kind of a defamation suit. We'll keep you guys tapped in on the details, but Northwestern head coach is out. Pat Fitzgerald. What else we got going on? So Vladimir Guerrero Jr. wins the home run derby on Monday night. Being the first father-son duo to ever do it in baseball, his father, Vlad Sr., won it back in 2007. First father-son home run derby winners, like I said. Hometown Mariner Julio Rodriguez in the first round hit 41 home runs in a home run derby. Ridiculous. I remember growing up, 41 home runs throughout the entire derby was, was huge. These players, the way they play now, are getting 40, 41 home runs in the first round, which is insane. Even with getting 41 home runs in the first round, he fell in the semifinal 27 to 28 to Vlad Jr. And then Vlad Jr. took home the crown in the final. Luis Robert, also another bullet point in the home run derby. Luis Robert hit the furthest home run, 484 feet, crushed it. My White Sox wish he could have won the whole thing, wish he could have played in the All-Star game on Tuesday night, but got injured in the home run derby, so he couldn't play. A record 341 home runs was hit in the in the home run derby, which is, again, insane. 341 home runs between eight guys. It's nuts. National, also, the home run distance combined out of all those home runs, 341 of them, was 26 miles of distance in the home run derby. So these guys, the distance that traveled with the home runs was enough for a marathon. (laughs) Think about that. You think about going into a baseball stadium and a home run goes out 350, 400 feet. Imagine a baseball going the length of a full marathon. That's what these guys did in the home run derby on Monday night. Crazy, historic. I can't wait to see next year what happens. It's only going to get better and better. So great home run derby ended in great fashion. Also, the National League finally, National League finally got them a all-star game victory. Took them long enough. The last time the National League won an all-star game was in 2012 
in Kansas City. I was actually at that game, sitting right center field. And uh, yeah, so that was the last time they had won, last time they beat our league. We've been crushing them for the last 10 years. They finally got one in. So congratulations to them, three to two. All-Star Game MVP is Elias Diaz from the Colorado Rockies. Hit the game-winning home run to take the lead three to two in the eighth inning. So congratulations to him. 32-year-old rookie in his first All-Star appearance, won the All-Star Game MVP. You heard me right, 32-year-old rookie. Congrats to him. A lot of history was being made in baseball during All-Star Week. Hope you guys got to tune in. That's the quick news right there. Today's topics, we're going to get into some more Major League Baseball. I'm going to tell you guys my greatest lineup in my lifetime, within the last 40 years or so, the greatest Major League Baseball lineup. And I'm also going to talk about NBA. There may be two expansion teams coming in the next couple of years. I'll tell you where I think what cities they're going to land in. But before we get into all of that, let's talk some tennis. It's the summertime. We're going to talk Wimbledon. It's one of the great tournaments, the fortnight that goes on for two weeks in, in June. And in Wimbledon, I want to talk about, as an American, a lot of Americans don't care to watch Wimbledon. They don't really care to watch tennis. And I think I know why. When's the last time an American male won Wimbledon? I'll give you a hint. It was Pete Sampras. So a lot of my viewers on here probably don't even know who Pete Sampras is. The last time an American won, American male won Wimbledon was in 2000. And it was Pete Sampras. It's been over 20 years since an American male has won Wimbledon. So that's part of the reason why our culture, our country doesn't pay attention to this, to this event. The ladies have been doing well. Venus and Serena have been holding it down for the last 20 years. However, Serena retired a couple years back. Venus Williams was in Wimbledon this year, but she got out in the first round. The number one player in the world is from another country. The number one player on the men's side is from another country. I think the top 10 males are from other countries. So why is this happening is the question. It seems like our country has took a shift where tennis was huge and it was becoming a big sport when I was growing up. Tennis was actually what soccer is now in this country. Soccer is becoming a big sport here in the U.S. There are a bunch of academies. A lot of kids are growing up going through the academy and being funneled into the MLS teams. And it seems like that's fading away in the tennis circuit. That's why we're not seeing a lot of champions, male or female. But in soccer, we're seeing it on the global stage. It's a wonder where will we ever have another American dominant tennis player again? That's the question I want to know. Because, like I said, it's been so long since a man has won Wimbledon from the U.S. Yes, we've had some win like a U.S. Open or the Aussie Open. But Wimbledon is the top of the top in all the majors, kind of like the masters for tennis. So I would like to see it in my lifetime, another American win that event, win that award, male and female. Just makes you wonder, when's the next time we're going to see that? Are we going to see the men's soccer team win the World Cup before we see a man win Wimbledon? 
You guys be the judge. We'll see what happens in the future. When we come back, we are going to get into a monster segment, a monster segment. We're going to talk MLB, but I'm going to tell you guys my lineup in my lifetime, the best players from every position in the last 40 years. This is Jay Mondane of the X Factor Sports Podcast. Don't go nowhere. I'll be right back. Yo, yo, welcome back to the X Factor Sports Podcast. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok. You will get premium content. I do pop-ups during the week, Instagram as well, also on threads, Twitter. I'm everywhere. So make sure you guys are logged in, subscribed, following the whole X Factor Sports Podcast movement. Let's get into some Major League Baseball. I told you guys, this is a huge segment. I'm excited about it. Over my lifetime of watching baseball, there have been some great players. There have been great players in every position. There have been The Yankees have won five World Series championships in my lifetime. There have been a lot of dominant performances. Teams, players that haven't even won championships, World Series, but still were great players. So with all of that and within the spirit of Major League Baseball, the Midsummer Classic going on yesterday, of all-stars, the best players in Major League Baseball today in the American and National League came together and played a game yesterday. I'm going to give you guys, from what I've seen in my own two eyes, the greatest lineup in my lifetime, all right? The first thing I'm going to start with is the pitcher, the ace. First guy off the top of the head, when you talk about pitching, when I hear Cy Young's, this is the guy that comes to mind for me, Roger Clemens. Roger Clemens was one of the greatest pitchers of all time, but in my lifetime, I have not seen a better pitcher than Roger Clemens. 11-time All-Star, two World Series rings, seven-time Cy Young winner, basically Major League Baseball, the media, everybody is saying he was the best pitcher in baseball seven times. He won it a couple of times in a row. I mean, he was just dominant. So Roger Clemens, obviously he's not in the Hall of Fame because of steroid allegations. I don't care about any of that. We can have another discussion about steroids. My position on it is Major League Baseball profited and benefited off of these guys when it wasn't illegal. So how can you turn around and act like you don't want them in your Hall of Fame now that it is against the rules? But I digress. Roger, Pitt, Roger Clemens is my pitcher, all-time great in my lifetime. Seven-time ERA leader, 
five-time American League strikeout leader. He has MLB record 20 strikeouts in nine in a nine-inning game, 20 Ks. Did it twice. I think Kerry Wood did it once for the Cubs, too, back in the day. So, give a shout-out to the Cubs fans on there. And he's on the Major League Baseball All-Century team. N enough said, right? Roger Clemens, All-Century team. All right. Now let's get to the let's get to the infield. For my catcher, it was tough because I loved Mike Piazza growing up. He was a Dodger, he was a Met, played on both coasts. He was probably one of the best, one of the best slugging catchers that I can remember. But when you talk about total package, defense and offense as a catcher. It's got to be Pudge Rodriguez for me. Ivan Pudge Rodriguez, 14-time All-Star, got a World Series ring in 03, American League MVP, NLCS MVP. So he's on both in both leagues, won the NLCS MVP with the Marlins in 03 when they beat the Yankees. American League MVP, like I said, 13-time Golden Glove Award winner and seven-time Silver Slugger. So that tells you everything you need to know. He's got the silver slugs. He got the golden glove. He could do it all. Pudge Rodriguez is the best catcher that I've seen in my lifetime. Now we move to first base. Again, this was tough. You had Frank Thomas during this time. You had Miggy Cabrera during this time, especially the way Miguel Cabrera hit the ball, his longevity. But again, these are total total package guys that I've seen in my lifetime. My first baseman would be Albert Pujols for sure. Albert Pujols, 11-time All-Star, two World Series rings with the Cardinals before he went to L.A., three-time National League MVP. He was Rookie of the Year in 01. He was NLCS MVP when they won the World Series. He has two Golden Gloves, six straight Silver Sluggers, and an unbelievable record that I didn't even know about until a couple months ago when the season started. 10 straight seasons of batting 300, 100 RBIs, and 30 home runs. He did it for 10 years. That's an entire era of baseball. When you think about sports and you think about an era, you think about 10 years, seven to 10 years is somebody's era when they can run the show. Albert Pujols for 10 years batted 300, 100 RBIs, 30 home runs. It's never been done. Easy choice. First base, Albert Pujols. For second base, this will make all my all my viewers that are Cubs fans, this will make them happy. My second baseman all time is Ryan Sandberg, the Rhino. Alright? 10-time All-Star, National League MVP, the year I was born. Nine-time Golden Glove, seven-time Silver Slugger as a second baseman. Played in the 90s when it was grit and grind. Didn't win a World Series ring with those Cubs teams, but he was he was, he was was Mr. Cub during that time. Great player. I remember playing MLB when I was a kid. My brothers would play with the Cubs because of Ryan Sandberg and because of the Hawk, um, Andre Dawson. So growing up, the Cubs... They were, they were big in my house as, as much as the White Sox were. As I got older, I became more of a White Sox fan, but doesn't mean I don't respect greatness when I talk about Ryan Sandberg. He is my second baseman all time. Third base. A lot of third basemen out there. 
a lot of them. But when you talk about total package, the hitting, the awards, the all, everything about the statistics that comes together for a third baseman is Chipper Jones from the Atlanta Braves. Couldn't think of anybody else. First ballot Hall of Famer, Chipper Jones, eight-time All-Star, World Series champ in 95 with that, that team that crushed everybody, David Justice, all those guys. Smoltz, Glavin, and Maddox were the pitchers. I mean, it was an unbelievable team he was on. Chipper Jones, he was a National League MVP in 99, two-time Silver Slugger Award. Again, played on both sides of the ball. Majority of these guys, if you haven't noticed, that are in my lineup, all batted 300 for their career. There are a couple of them that are just right under, probably at 280, 285. But for the most part, they got golden gloves and they batted 300 for their career. So unstoppable team. They're in the American League, National League. It doesn't matter. Mix it up. What I saw in my two eyes, at third base, give me Chipper Jones. At shortstop, this shouldn't even be a surprise to anybody. We already know who the best shortstop is. Might be arguably the best shortstop ever. The captain, Derek Jeter. Jeter, New York Yankee, Mr. Yankee, Mr. November, the captain. All right. 14-time All-Star, five World Series championships. Boy, got five rings. They three-peated in baseball. I didn't ever think I would ever see a three-peat. Growing up watching the Bulls in the 90s, the Yankees went on ahead and did it in the summer. They won 98, 99, and 2000. Got the three-peat in between the two at the beginning of his career and towards the end of his career. World Series MVP in 2000. American League Rookie of the Year. Five-time Golden Gloves. Five-time Silver Slugger. Again, as a third baseman, as a leadoff, to have five silver slugs as a leadoff guy says everything you need to know about a player. Usually your shortstop is the best player on your team because he can probably play every position in the infield, but they put him at short. I'm going with the captain, number two. In right field, some of you young guys probably don't even know this player. You probably heard the name, but you don't understand. He might arguably be the greatest hitter of all time. Charlie Hustle, yes, we know Charlie Hustle with the Reds back in the day, Pete Rose. But in my lifetime, this guy may be the greatest hitter ever. Tony Gwynn, Mr. Padres, San Diego Padres, grew up in San Diego, went to San Diego State, played for the Padres, went back and coached at San Diego State when he was done playing. Mr. Padre, Tony Gwynn, eight-time National League batting champion. 15-time All-Star. I ain't going to shortchange you, Tony. R.I.P. Five-time Golden Glove. Seven-time Silver Slug. Arguably the greatest hitter of all time. If you guys do not know who Tony Gwynn is, I suggest you look him up. I suggest you see what he's done to pitchers. All-time great pitchers were afraid to pitch to Tony Gwynn. He was the man. He was on teams that weren't that great. And he's playing out in San Diego, so he got lost in the shuffle. But baseball is a sport that talks about statistics. And if you want to look at some statistics on hitting the ball, please look up Tony Gwynn, do yourself a favor. That is my right field. In the left field, again, shouldn't be a surprise to anybody who's in my left field. It's Barry Bonds. Believe that, okay? And not just the Barry Bonds that was in San Francisco. I'm talking about the Jerry Curl Barry Bonds that played for the Pittsburgh Pirates too. I remember them all. Skinny to big. Big hat, small hat, whatever you want to say about Barry Bonds. 
If I need a left fielder, I'm getting buried. 14-time All-Star, seven-time National League MVP. You heard me right. Remember earlier I talked about Cy Young's for pitchers with Roger Clemens? Seven-time National League MVP. He was the most valuable player in his league for seven years. All right? And he did most of that damage before the alleged steroids, okay? If you put his career before the steroid allegations, he had a Hall of Fame career. Again, I don't understand. They made so much money off these guys during that era when it was not illegal. Now they want to turn around and not make them Hall of Famers for the work they put in. You still got to hit the ball. You still got to go to work. That's my take on it. You can message in the comments on your take. Let me know what you guys think about the lineup. Let me know what your favorite players or who your favorite players were in your lineup. You can comment down below. We'll be able to see those comments for sure. But back to Barry Bonds, like I said, seven-time National League MVP, eight-time Golden Glove Award winner, 12-time Silver Slugger. So it wasn't just about the home runs. You guys may remember him in San Francisco. He was winning Golden Gloves long before he got there. Three-time National League Hank Aaron Award, two-time National League Batting Champion, two-time National League Home Run Leader, and he has an all-time home run record of 762 home runs. I'm not taking not one single one away from him because I was alive and well watching him hit those home runs into the water, people diving off boats to get the ball. <laughs> so Hank Aaron, I mean, um, he passed the great Hank Aaron in home runs. Barry Bonds is my left fielder. In center field, in my lifetime, the best center fielder I've ever seen play is the kid. Ken Griffey Jr. Jr. Yes, sir. I, I remember him as a Seattle Mariner getting drafted, played with his father. It's a great moment. You can look that up. He hit a home run. His father hit a home run, and he hit a home run right after his father in the same game. Ken Griffey and Ken Griffey Jr. So if I need a center fielder, it's Ken Griffey Jr. for sure. 13-time All-Star, American League MVP, 10-time Golden Glove Award winner. Go ahead and check the highlights. Check him robbing people from home runs, kicking off the wall like Bo Jackson. National League Comeback Player of the Year in 05 when he came back with the Cincinnati Reds. Four-time American League home run leader. Did it three years in a row in the 90s. And he's American League RBI leader that same year. So it tells you why he won MVP. He won in 1997. <clears throat> Probably his greatest year. He was an all-star, obviously. American League MVP. Golden Glove winner. Silver Slugger. Home run leader and RBI leader in the same year with the Seattle Mariners. Ken Griffey Jr., man. Came in the league, was a baseball prodigy. Exciting to watch. The prettiest swing you'll ever see. His swing was so pretty, they made a logo out of it. You can go check all his apparel. He had the dopest shoes as a baseball player, the first player I've seen in baseball have dope shoes with the logo on it, with the swing, a lefty swing, prettiest swing you'll ever see. King Griffey Jr. is my center fielder of all time in my lifetime. And of course, we obviously got the whole field done, pitchers, catchers, fielders. You need somebody to close the game out. So I got to give y'all my best closer to close out the segment. And who better in my lifetime to watch close out a game than the Sandman? Mariano Rivera. Yes, I do have two Yankees in my all-time team. And Mariano Rivera closed like nobody else 
that played baseball. 13-time All-Star, five rings with the Yankees, right along with Derek Jeter. World Series MVP. How many pitchers you know win MVP of a World Series? It's seven games. How many games can they even pitch in? That just shows you how dominant he was as a closer. He came in and closed the show every night in great fashion. ALCS MVP, a different year than he won MVP. Five-time All-Runners Relief Man Award. That means the best relief pitcher in baseball won it five times. Won it back-to-back -back a couple years. Three-time Delivery Man of the Year. AL Comeback Player of the Year in the American League. Three-time Major League Baseball Saves Leader. And has a Major League record of 652 saves. Mariano Rivera, the Sandman. Anytime he came on the hill, if the Yankees are up one nothing, and Mariano Rivera comes up in the ninth, you can bet your dollar that they're probably going to win that game one nothing. He was a surefire Hall of Famer, five-time champ, best closer in the game. So that's my list. The greatest team of all time in my eyes that I've seen in my 40 almost so years of living. Baseball players that I love to watch, love to see. That's the team. Make sure you guys comment at the bottom. Let me know if you have any players that you like to add. If you have any honorable mentions, players that you grew up watching, even if it was your favorite teams. I know I had some people telling me George Brett at third base. You know, I had some people telling me, you know, different shortstops. You could have Alex Rodriguez. That's fine. Everybody's opinion is welcome here. You can comment all you want. Just gave you my best 10 players at positions in my lifetime. When we come back, we will get into the NBA. We got some expansion talk. I believe there are going to be two expansion teams here in the near future. I'm going to tell you what city they are going to play for and what cities will get those teams when we come back to the X Factor Sports Podcast. Yo, yo, welcome back to the X-Factor Sports Podcast. Told you we'd be right back in it. We're going to talk about the NBA. And it sounds like we have some expansion news. So, unlike the NFL and Major League Baseball, the NBA only has 30 teams. They don't have 32 teams. They have 30. So there's always room to add two more teams, get 16 teams in each conference. I believe that Adam Silver, a bunch of other owners have been talking about expansion. We've been hearing rumors of expansion for years. Honestly, I've been hearing about expansion since the Oklahoma City Thunder left Seattle. So everybody's been wanting the team to come back. I'm old enough to remember when the Minnesota Timberwolves didn't exist. The Orlando Magic didn't exist. The Miami Heat didn't exist. The Charlotte Hornets didn't exist. In the late 80s, 88, 89, those teams were expansion teams that came in. 
in the 90s, the Toronto Raptors came in. The Vancouver Grizzlies came in in the 90s. I'm old enough to remember that. I'm old enough to remember that the Charlotte Hornets left and went to New Orleans. And then there was a hurricane that moved them out of New Orleans. So they had to move to Oklahoma City for a year. I remember Charlotte coming back and being the Bobcats. And now Jordan brought them back and made them the Hornets. I'm old enough to remember the Vancouver Grizzlies moving to Memphis. And now they've been the Memphis Grizzlies for over 20 years. All these teams moving around, this isn't new. It's all business. The Brooklyn Nets moving from New Jersey. I remember when New Jersey were the Nets, and now they're in Brooklyn. Again, a lot of teams moving around, changing up, and it's exciting. It's I'm excited to see what happens next. But like I said, I think Adam Silver is talking about expansion. The two cities I think that will get these expansion teams Number one, I think the I think Las Vegas is going to be a team, a city that will get an expansion team. It just makes so it makes too much sense to not have a basketball team in Vegas. They do the summer league there. The summer league is going on right now in Vegas. They get a huge draw for NBA fans to go to Vegas in the summertime. Again, it's Vegas in the summer. Why wouldn't you go? A huge draw. They already have three major sports teams there, so they've already shown they have the capacity to manage three sports teams. They have the Las Vegas Aces there, who just won a championship. They have the Raiders there that moved from Oakland. And they have the Vegas Knights, who just won the NHL Stanley Cup. So they obviously can hold down a sports franchise, and they can have champions in their city. The Oakland A's are going to make a move and come to Las Vegas as well. And that's already in the works. Looking at uh, 2025-26, where we'll get the Oakland A's moving to Vegas as well. So now we'll have three of the four major sports already there with the WNBA. Only makes sense to have an NBA team there to kind of complete the circle. Becoming a great American sports town, obviously with sports betting becoming huge. You guys have watched the show. You see, I do a segment called Bet That. Fantasy sports, live sports betting. Obviously, all the betting you want to do is in Vegas. It only makes sense to have an NBA team go there and be in the Western Conference. The second city that I believe will get an expansion team is the Seattle. Seattle will come back home. I'm honestly not sure if they can use the Seattle Supersonic name. I don't know if that was bought or if that's under wraps, you know, kind of like they do conferences. The reason why the Big 12 and the Big 10 aren't called that anymore is because the the rights of that name, the Pac-12 is now the Pac-12. They can't go back to Pac-10 because that was purchased, if that makes sense. So I don't know if Seattle can be the Supersonics. But I believe Seattle will be the team, the city that gets that 32nd team. It only makes sense. They had the Supersonics up until 2008, drafted Kevin Durant, drafted Nick Collison, drafted Russell Westbrook, moved to Oklahoma City. 
city was a part of NBA history. If you go into history books and look back, the Seattle Supersonics were one of the original teams. They won a title in 1979. Only makes sense to bring that history back to the NBA. I think Adam Silver will look forward to doing that. And so Vegas and Seattle, those will be the two cities. Again, you guys can comment. Make sure you comment on the bottom and let me know what cities you guys would like to see an NBA team, an NBA franchise go to. I think Vegas and Seattle are perfect. A lot of people may say Kansas City, but I don't think Kansas City, honestly, in my opinion, have the capacity for an NBA franchise. You got to get business owners in the city to actually want to have a team here. I think Vegas has been clamoring for a team for years. Seattle obviously wants a team back. So it just makes sense. But what does that mean for the NBA? The NBA will go up to 32 teams. We already have 15 and 15 in each conference. It makes 30. So you have a team, if you think about the map, just close your eyes and think about the map of the U.S. and where all the NBA teams are located. And the teams that are in the Western Conference. But geographically, they're not in the West. <laughs> New Orleans. They're a Western Conference team and they're in New Orleans. They're in Louisiana. The Memphis Grizzlies are in Tennessee and they're a Western Conference team. But we have two Western Conference cities potentially that will get a team. They're not going to put Las Vegas in the Eastern Conference. They're not going to put Seattle in the Eastern Conference. So what do we do? This is the solution I think they should do. I believe you move Memphis to the Eastern Conference. And now Memphis, now you have 16 teams in the East. You have 14 in the West. You add those two, Seattle and Vegas. Now you have 16 and 16. Why do I choose Memphis over New Orleans? A couple of reasons. One, they have a superstar player in their franchise with John Morant. Again, the NBA is a business. There isn't very much stability in New Orleans. We don't know what's going to happen with Zion. We don't know what's going to happen with any of the other players, Brandon Ingram, CJ McCullough. We don't know how long McCullough will stay. So keeping them in the Western Conference where they are, they're in the Southwest Division. If you guys aren't familiar with the divisions of the conferences, that's okay. But New Orleans is in the Southwest Division with Houston, Dallas, San Antonio. They're in that, in that bunch down there, that Texas bunch. Keep them there. I would say move Memphis over to the Eastern Conference. You will have to shuffle a little bit. Memphis will probably go in that division with Atlanta, Miami, Orlando. And then you can move Washington up. But Memphis makes the most sense. They have a superstar player. They're right in the middle of the country in Tennessee. You move them over to the Eastern Conference. You have a little more balance to the conferences, I believe, with a team like that. Well-run organization. So it seems... They always compete in the playoffs. They always contend. They've been contenders since Zach Randolph, Mark Gasol, Powell Gasol days, even 20 years ago. So it only makes sense to move Memphis to the Eastern Conference, I believe, and put the two expansion teams on the West, again, to balance out the conference. Now, how do they do an expansion team? How do the expansion teams get players? Well, I kind of hinted on it when I prefaced in the beginning of the segment. The Minnesota Timberwolves, the Charlotte Hornets, the Miami Heat, the Orlando Magic all came in the late 80s 
and they had to get players. So when you get an expansion team, what they do in every sport is they have what's called an expansion draft. And every team in the league has their roster set up and there is a player or two that the league can pull from in order to get those players to that franchise. Usually what the league does to be fair, they won't pull the best player, the franchise player, but they will pull a player that is competent. I guess competent wouldn't probably be the word, but a serviceable player. It wouldn't just be your 15th guy in the rotation into the bench guy. It's going to be a guy that actually can contribute and the salaries mess, uh, mesh well together. They're under the salary cap. And it's all even out as much as it can be. <clears throat> You're not going to have an expansion draft and you, Luka Doncic has to go to Vegas. Like that's not going to happen. Dallas, that's Dallas's guy. He stays there. But you can have an expansion draft and you can see a player move that's of the caliber like a like a all-star level or just below an all-star level guy so i'll use milwaukee for an example Giannis isn't going to move to an expansion team but chris middleton might drew holiday might so you see what i'm saying it's just different tiers on which players would move so when this expansion comes in the next couple of years which i believe it will happen soon in the next five years i'm i'm anticipating that there will be an expansion team. They're probably waiting for LeBron to retire, to be honest, because he has openly said he wants to own a franchise and he wants to do it in Vegas. And I wouldn't be surprised if that young man does it. But nevertheless, when that happens, that expansion draft, your favorite team's favorite player or franchise player probably won't be the one moved, but it'll be a guy that's a rotational piece for a good player. That's just the way they do it in sports. I'm excited to see what the NBA does moving forward with the game and with these two teams that I believe will be in Seattle and Vegas. Again, make sure you guys comment, subscribe. Let me know what you think, who you think, or which cities will get the two expansion teams here in the future. When we come back, I will get into my two-minute warning. You don't want to miss this. It is the X Factor Sports Podcast. See you guys in a minute. Welcome back to the X-Factor Sports Podcast. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Again, be sure to subscribe on YouTube, TikTok, Facebook. That way you can put your comments in. I can respond to your comments after the show, interact with you guys. I love doing that. Just like if you tuned in for the fan appreciation episode, it was great interacting with you guys. This is a show for you, for the sports fans that don't get to hear the things that they like to hear on all these other shows. You get a real raw reaction to what's going on in the sports world. 
and we tie it into life. And that's what the two minute warning is all about. What I want to talk about is speaking things into existence. Okay. If you have goals, if you want to do things in your life, you have to visualize these things. You have to speak them into existence, positive affirmations to yourself. It's hard sometimes to tell people your goals or what you want to do, because usually it's the people that see you doing it and they say, man, how is he doing that? How is she doing that? You have to speak those things into existence for yourself. Have the vision so you can do it and execute. All right. Every champion I've ever known has told me they see themselves as champions before they become champions. Okay. They don't just roll out of bed and become it. They see themselves being champions. And you must have the vision for what you want to do and have the discipline to execute it. That's what separates good to great. Everybody can have a vision, but you have to have the discipline to execute those things. Mike Tyson has one of my favorite quotes. I love it. I've, I've shared it with Ms. D. She loves it too. It's a great quote. Mike Tyson says, discipline is doing something you hate, but doing it like you love it. And that's what it takes. That's what separates people. Having the vision, the discipline to do something you hate doing, but doing it like you love to do it because of the end result. All right. Speak positivity into yourselves. Speak love to yourselves. See and have a vision for what it is you want to do with your life, whether it's in sports, in business, with your family, whatever it may be. And make sure you execute and move forward with that positive attitude will always give you positive results. Yes, you will have to go through some things to get to that, but that's the test of what it is you're trying to accomplish and how to earn that. All right. So remember, speak things into existence, have that positive mindset, and you can see your vision materialize and move forward. This is Jay Mondain of the X Factor Sports Podcast. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Next week is episode 10 the X episode. You do not want to miss that. I think episode 10 will probably be my favorites every season. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. Have a good night. Peace.